Football Friday with Bickley and Murata. Presented by 72 Sold, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Vocally now, vocally, Kyler Murray is talking about, and, and I don't like how he's doing that. I think he should keep some things privately, but it tells me he doesn't care about his, co- his head coach. And he's putting everything on the head coach, basically saying... Kyler Murray don't care about nobody but Kyler Murray. <laughs> That's just a matter of the fact. Well, well, yeah, well, I, I got it. <laughs> <So. laughs> hey, I can't, I can't argue that I don't know him personally. You played with him for a few years, so I got to take your word for it. That's a 29-second soundbite from the All Things Covered podcast. Patrick Peterson said the words, the only words he said in that clip were... Kyler Murray doesn't care about anybody but Kyler Murray, and that's a matter of fact. He said nobody. Kyler Murray don't care about nobody nobody but Kyler Murray. Um, Obviously, when uh, Lorenzo Alexander was in yesterday, we had some fun with those comments, that podcast. Patrick Peterson, getting ready for the Vikings game this weekend, stood in front of the media yesterday and was asked, hey, you made some headlines with those Kyler Murray quotes. (laughs) Explain yourself. Can you explain yourself? Um, first of all, I don't have any beef with Kyler Murray because they was like, oh, Patrick blatantly disrespected Kyler. I didn't do that. You know, what I meant by my comment was when you're a franchise quarterback, you have to carry yourself a certain way. So if you're having bad body language, pouting, moping on the sideline, what type of energy do you think that, that feeds off to your teammates? That's what I meant about Kyler cares. He's caring about himself because he's not putting the team first. You know, when you make a bad throw, you're coming off the side, you're coming off to the sideline, you're dropping your shoulders. How do you think the defense feel? If, 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 if our starting quarterback don't have any energy, no fire, that we can win this game, how can we? So that's what I meant about, about Kyler caring about Kyler. I didn't mean that in no disrespect any fashion or form. And I might not be his mentor, but these are the things, tips that I think that it can help him be, you know, a better football player in the long run. You know, so it is what it is at the end of the day. You mentioned that. You oh, he got an end of the day in there, too. Um, it is what it is. A, Tim, Patrick Peterson absolutely blatantly disrespected Kyler Murray, first of all. And secondly, how the hell are we supposed to discern all of that from what he said on the podcast? What I meant was, you didn't talk about body language at all. We should also mention that he, because he kind of references, in the in between, Kyler Murray responded to those comments on Twitter and sort of called out Patrick Peterson for not yes. directly then said he was a mentor, but he's not acting like a mentor, stuff like that. That is correct. I blame Brian McFadden. He's a terrible podcast host. <laughs> no, I, I, I felt... There was a lot of stumbling and bumbling around. Well, I felt I bad mean, for Brian McFadden there because after Patrick Peterson just jumped in and sort of took that shot... I'm kidding, Brian obviously. McFadden was like the verbal equivalent of pulling his neck collar. Oh, yeah. oh, well, uh, first of all, know, it's a little warm in here. For all, okay, fine. First of all, McFadden did set it up completely inaccurately saying that Murray was saying after the game that their whole offense is schematically blank, which, which is not true. It, it was again, one play. It was one play, but why is is there this separation of understanding locally? And look, we've been critical of Kyler Murray on the show. He did not throw the entire offense under the bus. I know. There was nothing geared toward the head coach there. He was talking about one play, but nationally... Yeah. 
people look at that without context, and and this is what they come to. It, it's maddening because if if that happened when, and Patrick Peterson made a statement about one play and it was branched out to the entire Vikings defense, don't you think he'd be miffed by that? Yeah, I. <laughs> People, this is not the first time Kyler Murray's been criticized, by the way, for his body language. I've heard Cardinal fans on Twitter criticize Kyler Murray for his body language. This is not new. So He okay, does not have positive body language a lot of the time. It's I a mean, fact. It's been going on for a couple of years. So, okay, so Patrick Peterson now clarifies it and says, and he almost, in a way, confirms what many have thought and said here In Arizona, man, does Kyler Murray have bad body language after an interception or things aren't going well? Look at him on the sidelines. Oh, look at, uh, you know, this guy's injured and all the teammates are over there and Kyler's over by himself. And, you know, what is Kyler doing and examining everything this kid does? And is it, is it bad? Is it, is it a problem? Well, now you got Patrick Peterson confirming, uh, that, yeah, uh, for his teammates, old teammates like Peterson, it has been a problem. So as much as Patrick Peterson probably should keep his mouth shut and worry about the Vikings, because blood is thicker than water, and now Peterson's arch enemy number one, Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean he should be completely ignored that maybe there is a problem here now with with, with Kyler Murray. And as 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 a... Cardinal supporter or media person or fan, I think I, I think we should get back to what's yeah. important here, and that's you know, is there again a Kyler Murray problem here in Arizona? That's that's all that matters to me. Despite the fact that Patrick Peterson should probably shut up and move on, yeah, I, I do I do wonder, and my chief concern is, are there issues with Kyler Murray that that need to improve? For the Cardinals to be the team they hope to be someday. Kyler Murray did respond, as Jarrett mentioned. Said on Twitter, hey, you're on some weird stuff right now. Yeah. Why are you acting? You can call me. You got my number. Uh, Patrick Peterson on that subject. I don't have his number. I did reach out. I did get his number for my ex-teammate. I texted him. Okay. He didn't reply to the text. I don't know if that's his number or whatever the case may be. But, you know, but I, I do look forward to talking to him, you know, because I see a ton of talent in him. And, th- and those mannerisms, you know, are alarming. And I'm just saying something that most people may be afraid to tell him. Sure. Mm. It's just uh, every, it's, it's no secret. Everybody sees it. <laughs> there you go. You know, you see it every time they're on television. You see Kyler Murray pouting, cursing out the head coach, calling out the offensive scheme. I didn't say that. He did. Um, by the way, just, just the, the nature of the tone from the podcast to what he said yesterday. Let's cue up Patrick Peterson's theme music. Oh, there's some moonwalking going on. Um... <laughs> Your point is is well taken. Like, should we get past the first statement that he made, which was, you know, obviously why we're having this discussion. Kyler Murray doesn't care about anybody but Kyler Murray. But the body language stuff, Kyler, it, 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 it's it's well documented, as you said. But I mean, how possible right now is it to have good body language with what's going on? Well, but this goes back years, though. It does. This goes back years. It goes back to even when they were perhaps even playing well and winning football games. So this is this goes back. I mean, Patrick Peterson's been gone for almost two full seasons. So this is something he's noticed when he was a Cardinals player going back to the 2020 season. Obviously. I mean, he had two years of opportunity. 
to, in that soundbite, he says, hey, maybe people are afraid to tell him this. Were you afraid to tell him when you were teammates? Is it easier now that you're in Minnesota and you've got a podcast that you're trying to grow? That'd be a great follow-up. Did you tell him in 2019 yeah. and 2020? Did yeah. Larry? Like, did, did, did any of the leaders I'm, tell him? Did Cliff tell him? I would be shocked if that has not come up during his time. From a coaching standpoint, something that's been harped on. We always have the conversations, too, with DeAndre Ayton, whether or not he's playing with force. And we assume, like, why, why don't they just tell him to play with... It, 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 it's been happening. <laughs> why don't you just tell me what movie you would want to see? <laughs> <laughs> there was kind of a movie phone t- tone to what I just said. It happens. It's hard to change, especially when things are going south. And again, I don't want to come off as completely standing on the table for Kyler Murray either. I think this has been a bad season for him and a very discouraging season for the organization considering the investment they've made in this guy. But I I don't think it's Patrick Peterson's place right now to be that concerned about the development of a young quarterback. I mean, you've got two losses. You're one of the top teams in the NFC. If I'm the Vikings, I'm like, why is he spending still so much time wondering about the X when we're married now? Right. I I, I agree. And I, I it's almost like, to me, two different conversations. All right, great. Patrick Peterson, bad. Shut up, Patrick Peterson. But let's get back to the topic at hand, the future of Kyler Murray and how he can get better and how he can be the best quarterback he can be. And clearly, Mm -hmm. there are issues. We can all agree on that. We'll hit on some of those issues coming up at 8 o'clock. But coming up next, our first opportunity to chat with the new head football coach at Arizona State University. Kenny Dillingham joins us straight ahead here on Bickley and Murata Mornings with Tim Ring in for Bick on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Why don't you just tell me the name of the movie you selected? Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata Mornings. New era for Arizona State football began last Sunday when the uh, athletic uh, director, Ray Anderson, Michael Crow, announced Kenny Dillingham as the new head coach of the Arizona State Sun Devils. And coach joins us right now here on the Arizona Sports Line. Kenny, I'm Vince, my partner Tim today. Uh, Congratulations on the job and welcome back home. Thank you. I'm fired up to be here. And uh, our first day out on the road as a staff in this valley is today. Yeah, I've I've heard you talking, and I saw your interview you did on SportsCenter yesterday. Uh, This has got to be just a whirlwind. I mean, last Saturday, you're playing in a rivalry game as the offensive coordinator with Oregon, and less than a week later, here you are on the road with another staff. Can you just kind of outline what this this week has looked like uh, for you personally? Yeah, obviously, after Sunday, uh, it was just, you know, meeting with the high school coaches, meeting with the players, getting to know people in the building, and then literally – from Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday until noon, I've been meeting with every single player on this team face to face, just to meet them, get to know them. You know, this this is about relationships. It's about helping those young men achieve what they want to achieve, and just explain to them what it's going to look like moving forward as honestly as possible. And uh, I think that's more important than recruiting. That's more important than anything. Is just explaining and meeting your guys and teaching them what this program's going to look like moving forward. Mm-hmm. Hey, Kenny, uh, first of all, congratulations, man. We're just so happy for you. I know this is a dream come true uh, job for you. A, a, a fun one off the bat. You, you find out you get the job. Who's your first phone call? Oh, first phone call? Yeah. We definitely called my father. I'm not going to lie. You know, this is, I used to sit on his lap watching ASU games. 
So I definitely called my parents. Uh, that was one. And we definitely called my wife's parents, who grew up going to ASU games as well. So, you know, we definitely called the family. Um, you know, when I landed here on Saturday night, they were trying to do it up big for me. They had a an awesome hotel for me and my wife that was decorated and all this stuff, right? And I said, you know what? I just uh, let's let's go hang out with the fam, oh. and uh, that's just kind of the type of person I am. Family driven. Uh, that's what matters to me, and and I'm just so fired up to be here. Oh man, that that that's awesome. So all right, so you get the job first week on the job. What is what is job one, Kenny? Is it is it kind of keeping your own guys from hitting the portal that you want? Is it going out to the portal and because I mean, portal combat's already underway, as you know. Even though that darn thing doesn't actually open for a bunch of guys uh, until next week. What what is job one for Kenny Dillingham when you talk about the 2023 roster? Job one is to meet with our guys. And uh, contrary to what a lot of people do nowadays, it's not to convince people not to transfer. I want people who want to be Sun Devils. Uh, I want people who wake up every day, they walk into that building, and they go, man, am I lucky. Man, can I wait, not wait to get to work. And that's what I told everybody that walked through that door is, you know what, this is my dream job. I'm going to be here forever as long as, long as I can. And we're going to do this the right way. We're going to get people in this building who want to be here. And uh, you'd be shocked how many people want to be here and love this place. And it's, it's not a recruiting pitch to keep the guys. It was more a, this is going to be the hardest thing you've ever done in your life. Get ready. And uh, now that I'm through that point, it's obviously now on to, you know, how do we build this roster? And I think for us, you know, we're, we're pretty far behind the 23 class when it comes to in-state recruiting in particular. And it's more just talk to the guys committed elsewhere and say, listen, we understand we're not going to build a relationship in three weeks that may get you to, you know, come here. But, but understand, in a year from now, when you realize you miss the sunshine, the mountains, the beautiful weather, and all the good food, and you want to come home, just know you have a place. Yeah. Kenny Dillingham, the new head coach of the Arizona State Sun Devils, our guest here on Arizona Sports. And Kenny, I know ultimately the answer to this question, but I'm curious to the process. Um, and, and this process was different because this job opened up in September, and I assume Arizona State was in on you very early because your name had been connected to the job. But one of the things that's hanging over this program, as you well know, is the NCAA investigation, maybe some pending sanctions. And I know it wasn't enough to dissuade you from taking this job, but how much uh, of, of that was considered in your decision-making process to come here? Yeah, I mean, I'm not too concerned with things we can't control. I mean, we're going to put together the best team. We're going to build the best culture. We're going to get this valley behind this program. Um, and I'm just, you know, that, that type of stuff you can't control, which you can't control. And uh, that's one of the pillars to our program of life. Uh, little things, intensity, family, and education. We want to be lifers, respond to adversity, the good and the bad, and the S is for success. And that's just being the very best you can be at whatever you're doing. And, you know, for me, I can't be concerned about things I can't control. We're just going to be the very best we can be every single day at whatever task we're doing. If I'm walking through a door, I'm going to open that door for people until there's not any more people to walk through. Because I think that's what makes successful people and successful programs. All right, Kenny, so there's been great, great high school football players in our state. A lot of them, most of them, have gone elsewhere to play college football. You know that. We all know that. Kenny Dillingham walks into the living room. You got a, you got a four- or five-star kid. He's, he's, think, he's thinking about going to SC. He's thinking about going to Alabama. He's thinking about going to Texas. 
what's your pitch, brother? What, what, what are you telling well, them? What are you telling his parents? What are you telling him about coming to play for the Sun Devils and coming to play for Kenny Dillingham's new program? Well, it's pretty simple to me. When you make decisions on where you go to school, it should be about relationships. Our relationships, our staff's going to be here, right? The second thing is this, the relationships of the connections, you, the connections you can make in the area. This is one of the largest growing, growing metropolitan areas in the country. It's a top five largest metropolitan area in the country. You can come here for four years, be a star, build the relationships you want to build in a place that people dream of living the rest of their life. Wherever you go to school, you're going to build the connections. So if you don't want to live somewhere for the rest of your life where you go to school, you're going to lose all those connections or a majority of those connections. This is a place you could go to, play football at a high level, build connections that will help you for the next 50 to 60 years of your life, go on, and if you have a career in the NFL, great. If you don't, capitalize on those connections, right, and help you be successful in life. And that's something we have here that most places do not have. They have the Phoenix metropolitan area. They have one of the largest alumni bases in the country. Mm -hmm. Let us help you. Come here, build relationships, and let those people help you be successful in life. Kenny Dillingham, the new head coach of the Arizona State Sun Devils, our guest here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Uh, you mentioned, Coach, about being behind in in-state recruiting for 2023, but you're, you're armed to maybe make some real inroads there. Retaining Sean Aguano, bringing in Charlie Regal, two very highly successful high school coaches here that are respected in the community. Might we expect any other high school coaches maybe to join your staff in the near future? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to... Uh... I don't want to get ahead of myself, but uh, we do have we do have a few members of our staff uh, pretty pretty set. Uh, we're just out of respect for you know college coaches and uh, you know different people's schedules. Uh, I, w- I want people to leave their prior school the right way, mm-hmm. uh, co- college coaches included. I want them to to be able to do it on their terms, and we're just being patient with the process so we can get the right guy at the right time. Hey, Kenny, want to heat with the Pac-12 championship game tonight. I think you're ideally suited to give a little preview. Uh, what, do you, what, do you, what do you think, uh, USC and, and Utah, a rematch of a game that's going to be played in, a, uh, in front of a sold-out crowd at Allegiant Stadium there in Las Vegas? What do you think? How would you break that one down? Yeah, I mean, that's going to be a really good football game. The last time those two guys played, USC got out. I watched that game a lot. USC got out to a lead, um, and then Utah obviously fired back in the second half. I think that game is going to come down to, you know, if USC can handle the pressure that Utah creates. You know, Utah defensive coordinator Morgan Scali is one of the most aggressive defensive play callers in all of the country. Uh, and I think he does that with, with pure confidence in his guys. So I think that's going to be a chess match. You know, Coach Riley over there at USC got them on a tunnel screen and cover zero on the 25-yard line with about six minutes left to go in the game last time they played. And then, you know, Coach Scally fired back and hit him on a cover zero on a two-minute drill to create a sack. So, I mean, when you go back and forth with uh, two good football coaches, two really good programs uh, there, I'm just blessed that those 
football teams are playing each other because it's going to be a great product for the Pac-12 to put out tonight. And Kenny, along those same lines, talking college football, major news yesterday about the college football playoff expanding from 4 to 12 playoff teams beginning in 2024. Now that you've got a, a seat at the big table as a head college football coach, what are your thoughts about the playoff expansion and what that means for college football? Not only the postseason, but there's a lot of thoughts on what it now means for the college football regular season. Go ahead and give me your yeah, I mean, I think obviously it's just going to create more excitement at the end of the year. Uh, I think it's going to get the best players or the best teams, you know, on a stage to go on a run. And I mean, I think that's when you watch college basketball, that's one of the funnest things about March Madness is sometimes the, the best team, quote unquote, throughout the regular season, you know, isn't the one who wins. Yeah. And I think that's the excitement. Uh, that it creates is it gives everybody a fresh start. And in college football right now, you have to be perfect nearly uh, to have a chance to play for the national title. I think this allows really good teams uh, who have blemishes early to kind of respond. And it also allows a team that just gets better and better and better throughout the year uh, that may have stumbled early to have a chance to compete. So I'm fired up about it. I think it gives, you know, more of a platform for more teams to get on the national stage and compete for a national championship. And uh, it gets me excited. Uh, Coach, uh, we appreciate the time. We are, um, I'm assuming you'll be a weekly guest of ours come September because we've had the coaches uh, interview on this show. So I'm really looking forward to that. But I also wanted to say, uh, as somebody who has followed this program, rooted for the Sun Devils for 40 years, who went to Arizona State, I will only speak for myself, but I think a lot of people will agree. This is the most excited I've been about Sun Devil football for a really long time uh, because of what your energy is bringing to this job. Uh, so I, I wish you the best of luck in, in turning this thing around. I appreciate it. Like, like I told everybody, this is I am not going to turn this place around. We are. And I absolutely mean that. We, people listening to your show right now, right? How can you help Sun Devil football? I don't care if you're worth a billion dollars or if you show up to work and you grind to survive. There is a way you can help. There is a way you can be involved. And this place is special because of the Valley, because of the people listening to the show right now. We need everybody involved in this program in any way, shape, or form. Kenny, I got a I got a freshman at Desert Mountain. He's a 5'10", 150 pound defensive end. I'm gonna give you first. I'm gonna give you first crack at an in home. Okay, you got my word. Oh, sounds good. All right, brother, you got my word. Okay, Kenny, thanks thanks so much for the time. Appreciate it. And again, congratulations on the job. Thank you, guys. Go Devils. Thank you, Kenny Dillingham, the new head coach of the Arizona State uh, Sun Devils. Our guest here on the Arizona Sports Line. Look at that. You you might be setting up scholarships uh, already. 150 pounds on the defensive end, huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah, on the, on the freshman team. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, yeah. He, he was in the rotation. Yeah. His energy is, in, his energy is infectious. No, he's great. He's Can great. I say as a wildcat how disgusted I am <laughs> when somebody is that likable and they're associated with ASU? Look, Listen, I man, said the same thing to you when we had Jed Fish yeah, on I the know. show. Um, there's this new energy for coaches, and it, it, it rubs off on people. There's enthusiasm that's infectious there. There's a love for the university, a love for the job. He's not a mercenary. He's not here for the money. He's not here for the career advancement. He's passionate. There's not a stepping stone. This is a guy that if, if he gets this program to where it, he wants it to be, he's. I don't. He's not 
go into the next job afterwards. He's he's planting his flag here. Yeah, it certainly seems that way. Yeah. Uh, Kenny Dillingham joining us on the Arizona Sports Line. Uh, coming up next, Sarah's going to take us through the big stories of the day with a rush hour reboot. It's Bickley and Murata mornings with Tim Ring sitting in for Bick here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Rush Hour Reboot. Rush Hour Reboot. Setting you up to speed on everything happening in sports this morning. Brought to you by Brooklyn Betting. Arizona built for America's dreams. Welcome into the Rush Hour Reboot, everyone. We do it every single day at this time here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. We take you through the top stories of the day. I'm Sarah Cazell with not Dan Bickley. That's Tim Ring over there. I'm also just a boy standing in front of a girl asking her to reboot him. <laughs> oh, I'll reboot wow. you. Vince Murata. Hey. How you doing? Hey. And Jarrett Carlin. I will ride this train until it until it stops. It's not gonna stop. Not gonna stop. Kenny Dillingham might oh, say otherwise. Oh, it stopped. I think the mode of transportation has changed too. And how about Tim coming in and adding a new wrinkle to the greetings? Doing a movie line, but tailoring it towards the festivities. Yeah, that, that. the bar well, is set, Vinny. Well done. Now that's what you could do now if you don't want to have to search for him. Custom. I might have to. I'm running, I'm running out of stuff. stuff. You said that like three months ago. I, I've i been running out for a long time. It's been a very see slow if I can run. come up with a movie line yeah, you have a whole week. day next week. That's right. Yep. Absolutely. We will we will take you up on that challenge. You All had right. me at reboot. <laughs> exactly. Uh, we just had Kenny Dillingham on in our last segment. He is the new head coach of ASU football, a Valley native, and an ASU alum. You can tell he was incredibly hyped up to be here. Um, we didn't have much time to react to to your conversation with him. So now I want to start off by asking, what was your biggest takeaway uh, from what he had to say? Same takeaway that I had from the introductory press conference on Sunday is this guy wants to be here. (laughs) And it is so genuine, which you can't say in a lot of situations in college athletics when coaches talk about, this is my dream job. Kenny Dillingham says it, I believe him. Um, and that is key. And, and and just to hear the deep, I mean, take this as you will, and people are going to read into it. Well, he asked a question about the Pac-12 championship game tonight. The in-depth breakdown he went into with yeah. knowledge of these teams that are playing because he coached against them. I don't know if that necessarily was in place in the last few years. Oh, do you think... Here's a guy who was. Here's a guy. <laughs> yes, Chris here's Jones. a guy. Here's a guy. <laughs> this is a guy that, when his high school coaching or playing career kind of came to an end, he's like, I'll just start coaching the offense here at Chaparral as a as a high school kid. Yeah. And at a very young age, was an offensive coordinator at some high level schools, Memphis and Oregon and Florida Fort State and Auburn. Auburn. So he clearly was was born with with the gift of uh, some coaching acumen and skills uh, to succeed at a high level at a young age, and he wants to be here. Now, listen, it's not going to be easy, and there's a lot of good endorphin, endorphins flowing through everybody right now. Uh-huh. The, the The road is going to be long. It's not going to be a quick fix. Yep. He's going to have to rebuild the roster. He's going to have to convince kids to want to play here, even though the win total might not be high in the first couple of years, and that's going to be a challenge, but I think he believes in himself, he believes in the university, and he's going to believe in a vision. What do you think about his uh, recruiting strategy, saying that he's going to point to the Phoenix metropolitan area and, and the... 
I mean, opportunities it certainly there. needs to be improved. And you know, there's a long line of coaches who have taken over this program and said the same things That's at their the press thing. conference. We're going to build a fence around uh, Phoenix, and these kids are not going to be able to leave. Again, it, 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 not all of them are going to stay, but you got to get more than you've been getting. You still have to recruit Southern California. You still have to recruit Texas because they're such hotbeds of talent. Yeah. But you got to get some of these. I mean, this is a growing area. The high school football is improved greatly over the last 20 years here. If you, you know, can Arizona tr- doesn't need to be stocking everybody else's roster now. No, exactly you, right. And if you could, guys, if, I hate to say it, but if you could just get one, if you could just get one big time Arizona player. Now they've gotten they've gotten a few, like you know DJ Foster over the years. But in the next couple of years, if just one high level five star, like for example, it's probably too late now, but there's a kid at Pinnacle. He's a five star tight end. His name is Deuce Robinson. He's probably going to go to USC. But if a kid like that in the next year or two says, you know what, I believe in Kenny Dillingham. I believe in ASU. I'm going to go there. That could be a kind of Pied Piper type recruit mm-hmm. that other recruits could say, well, you know, if, 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 if a Deuce Robinson could go there, then maybe something maybe something's going on there. Yeah. Maybe I should have a, a right. part in that. Absolutely. All right, quickly, let's get to the Phoenix Suns. They host the Houston Rockets tonight starting at 7 o'clock in downtown Phoenix. We had Jake Fisher on the show yesterday. He covers the NBA for Yahoo Sports and he is all about Devin Booker right now. I don't really like the awards cold and the debate around it, but to me right now, he's the MVP of the league doing what he's doing, keeping Phoenix number one in the West without Chris Paul, without Cam Johnson, without Jay Crowder. Um, I mean, the, the guy's just, just a stone-cold scorer, and he's a professional, and he's getting it done on, the, on the, 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 excuse me, the defensive side of the ball, too. So um, he, he's really, I think, uh, turned a lot of naysayers into supporters. Okay, so we're about a quarter of the way through the NBA season, guys, the regular season. Right now, who is your top three for NBA MVP? Uh, for me, it's Jason Tatum, Devin Booker, and uh, Luka Doncic. In that I, order? Um, probably. Probably. Oh, I'm going to go Devin Booker number one. Yeah. And I'll go Luka number two. And what the what? hell? I'll throw Tatum in there number three. I mean, oh, I'm doing. I'm, Boston does have the best record in the NBA. <laughs> And Tatum is averaging like 30 points a game. Would you take Jason Tatum over Devin Booker? See, that's... On your team? There was a debate that that sprung up on ESPN between Richard Jefferson and Kendrick Perkins. And Richard... Because Kendrick Perkins is saying, Devin Booker deserves more love. Carry the hell on. Uh, and Richard Jefferson is saying, "Would you rather have Luca or Devin Booker?" I mean, it, but it doesn't come down to that. No, MVP is a separate thing. Yeah, and I'd still take. I, I mean, you know, people who listen to this show know my feelings on Luca. Indeed, they do. Yeah. You think he's a hoe? <laughs> what? I did not originate that that line of thinking. Well, you confirmed what Lil Wayne said. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did. Dude, Luca probably is the best player in the NBA. Mm, I'm, not going, than- I'm not going there. Come on, man. Not a great defender, my good man. Come on, man. Better than Giannis? Wow. <gasps> what a statement right there. Uh, if I had a pick, if I was starting a team... Well, that's not the same. 
Well, yeah, it is the same. No, okay, it's not. Yeah, MVP it and who you're who's starting better? Your team with? Who's better right now? Is MVP, who's better, and who know, you're starting a team with? I think are three different discussions. I, I fully agree. Well, with if you're starting a team, you pick the guy you think is the best. Yeah, I mean, Benedict how, Matherin. How would you? How would you start a team? I mean, should we talk? about I don't know. I know. Oh, Tim just put his oh no his, his hand on his up on the, uh, on the, seen that on the since. desk. <laughs> Holy you moly! Me, you got me thinking on Luke and Giannis. <laughs> All right, keep thinking. On Maybe we can get back into this later. <laughs> He's pondering. Let Tim ponder. An abbreviated version of the Rush Hour reboot. Yes. Thank you, Sarah. Thanks, guys. Uh, we do it every morning at seven thirty. Coming up next, we'll stay on the Suns and a, a guy who's not been around, Jay Crowder. What are the possibilities as we get closer to December fifteenth on the calendar for Jay Crowder moving on and the Suns getting something back? That's straight ahead. It's Bickley and Murata mornings with Tim Ring in today here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata mornings. They clearly don't need Jay Crowder back. (laughs) They're the number one team in the West right now. So they are being patient and they're holding out to get a player that they truly believe is going to impact their postseason, you know, rotation. So Grayson Allen hasn't done that for them, clearly. I mean, any John Collins or any package of the Hawks could have come together with, you know, that hasn't happened yet. So at this point, the only thing I can say pretty definitively is right now, it does seem like the most likely Outcome is Jake Crowder departing by way of a three-team trade because if there was a, two, a direct two-team two situation that made sense for all sides, it would have happened by now. That is Jake Fisher of Yahoo Sports. He joined us here on Bickley and Murata Mornings yesterday on the Jake Crowder possibilities, and they're still out there because as we speak here on December 2nd, Tim Ring is in for Bick today. Yep. Jake Crowder is on the roster. Uh, he's not been with the team at all. Uh, what we know of Jay Crowder is he spends some time in empty gyms uh, having somebody film him get up shots and talking about his work ethic. That's that's where we are with uh, Jay Crowder right now. Um, December 15th, some contractual things open up uh, for many players around the league. Uh, the list of players that are trade eligible at that point grows. You would have to think that um, the patient James Jones, who that's one of his calling cards as uh, general manager and now the president of basketball operations for the Suns, that's how he does things. Um, But he was on with Burns and Gambo earlier this week and was asked about that December 15th date. Hey, does that unlock more possibilities, make a deal more likely to get done? And he said, that's not necessarily the case. No, I I can't say that. Um, Like I said before, we've we've had conversations and those conversations are ongoing. You know, when something happens, it'll happen. Uh, But we're still only 20-something odd games into the season with 50-something to go. And, you know, that's that's still a lot of... still a lot of basketball left to be played so uh, we'll be patient um we're not waiting but we'll be patient to make sure that we find someone that's the right fit and that that what we do helps propel us forward and then you got january 15th that uh, unlocks another group of players that can be uh traded for i'm wondering patient when, when does it become too patient if you're james jones and i know you know, being atop the Western Conference sure, right now that's obviously key. gives you more time and more leash to work with. But I'm thinking that James Jones is going to swing something that nobody saw coming. That's what I'm thinking. You, the more you win, the more patient you can be. Right. Yeah, that's true. that's kind of what we're looking at here. They did the Suns don't the Suns have no desperation. The Suns don't the Suns don't owe Jay Crowder anything. I mean, Jake Jay Crowder. They do because they're paying him. 
<laughs> well, they owe him money. Yeah. But they don't owe him a soft landing spot. Yeah. They don't owe him a rushed, hurried deal that doesn't work out for them. Or, yeah, to, appe- a, to pe- appease him where him. he wants to be. Yeah, to make a bad deal so he can get back on the court. The place on the court for him would have been here. But he didn't he didn't he, you know he didn't want to do that for his own reasons. What would you like to so what not necessarily a specific player, but I mean when you look at it as the roster stands right now, there's still needs that seemed like they need to be filled on this roster. <laughs> you know, it's interesting out working working the Suns game on the radio side when the Pistons were here and the ship has sailed, obviously. I mean, I, I think anyway. But Boyan Bogdanovich, because his name was was rumored to be a potential target of the Suns, boy, would have been exactly the player the Suns could have used. Uh, you talk about a professional score. Mm-hmm. I mean, he just had, I think, 30 last night against the Mavericks. Um, maybe more, actually. Um, that's the kind of guy that they could use. Well, right? in that game, the best player in the NBA, Luka, they lost to the Pistons, right? Yeah. Okay, I was just wondering. <laughs> <laughs> is, is Giannis undefeated? <laughs> is Giannis above five hundred? Yeah, hey, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Giannis can't win a title without Chris Middleton. Um, <laughs> Who's back tonight? By the way, is he back yes, tonight? Yeah. Um, now we're split. Okay, we're splitting hairs with Luca and Giannis. They're both really good, um, and one of them is likable. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> but they both travel a whole lot. That is I true. do want to say that. That is true. They're both allowed to take three steps. World travelers. Yes, they are. Uh, so where were you? Yeah, Jay Crowder. Uh, or no, give the, what the Suns could use. They could, they, could use, they could use a Bogdanovich type. Now, that's when I, when I watched him play, that's just the kind of guy that you can just plug in and he knows how to get you a bucket mm-hmm. off the bench. That that would be the perfect kind of guy that you would love to see the Suns somehow pull off in a Jay Crowder trade. Now, the question is, is that guy out there? Is he available? Who is that guy? James Jones, again, as long as the Suns continue to win, he has the patience right now. He's got the ability to be patient. They don't need, they, again, they don't need to appease Jay Crowder. They are in no hurry. They can watch these players. James Jones can say whatever he wants on the, on the radio. Um, I, listen, I don't think Jay... I don't think James Jones ever shows his cards. No. Right? Is Jamal Crawford there? What, uh, hey, what, hey, hang on. Let me drop the thing. Okay. Hello? Yeah. Oh, sorry. I dropped the phone. Um, that's just not what he does, right? Yeah. So, December 15th, January 15th, the Kevin Durant thing's still hanging around out there. You know, I... Do you still have interest in going down that road if you're the... I mean... I know there's a lot of good feelings right now about the Suns' record and how well they're playing and Bridges is playing good and, and Cam Johnson. But I, I still think if that if that is out there, that still has to be considered. Let me you would you would give up Cam Bridges and at this point Aiton Cam Bridges and Aiton. Who said that? I mean, what I mean, you're not going to get him for a bag of balls. You're going to have to give up something still to get Kevin Durant. You're not giving up Cam Johnson, I said Bridges, it, and DeAndre Ayton. But you know, obviously not. A combination of those players would be involved. I think when... when a combination, well, you're not giving up all three. The reason why I'm t- totally out right now as we speak on, on this Kevin Durant pursuit is the Suns have proven with this core, they can overcome some stuff. They've overcome some stuff. Do I believe the Suns as currently constructed can win an NBA title this year? I'm not there. I think they need to fortify what they have, not blow up what they have. And to get Kevin Durant in January 
you would have to blow up what you have to a large degree, and then you're basically starting from square one. Yes, you'd be starting from square one with Kevin Durant and Devin Booker, but look at the, the recent examples of super teams in, in the NBA. Chemistry is a thing. And these super teams have had real difficulty finding chemistry, whether it's been in Philadelphia or Brooklyn or Los Angeles or any of these places where these teams have been assembled. I mean, I would look at the Brooklyn Nets on paper and tell me why they're not, they're not a lot better than what they have been. I, I'm with you. I would lean no. It would depend on what it would take to get him. But I would say this. It would still have to be explored. It would, it would have to be considered. A lot of conversations, Vinny, would have to take place. Because at the end of the day, you do have to remember this is a team that couldn't get out of the Western Conference semifinals last night. And Chris Paul, or last year rather. And Chris Paul is still potentially in his really last year of being a, a, a in his championship window, let's say. It has to be explored. It, it, it does. It has to. It has to be discussed. Is this, it, it, does Kevin Durant give us our best chance to win a championship now and maybe forever? You're talking about still talking about Kevin Durant now. Mm-hmm. And are you are you going to sacrifice some of your future? Absolutely. Of course you are. But is the idea of winning a championship now the possibility of that and the potential of that too great to pass up? And we we got on we got sidetracked on a Durant uh, conversation here, which is fine, but but I I do I, I'm I'm with you. It's probably not. I, I don't know if you go down that road, but you at least have to discuss it if it's back on the table. If you're James Jones, and you're the organization, look, I, I'm I, curious. Do, do, do to you know, not? I, 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 I look, James Jones kind of diminished how far the Suns went down that road over the summer. Because he said, look, Brooklyn was never going to trade him at that time. He said he wanted to be traded. They they knew he wasn't going to be traded. I, I, I don't know what Brooklyn's record looks like on January 15th. They're 12 and 11 right now. Above 500, they're 8th in the Eastern Conference. Will it be better? Probably. But I think maybe the Suns went as far down that road as they were going to go back in July when that, that trade demand or request came out from Kevin Durant. So you think it's totally dead? Like it'll, it's, it's, it will never not, even no. end up in a conference room. There's a flicker discussion. There's maybe a little that's bit all, of a spark. I'm just saying, it, if, if it's me, it should be dead. If I'm James Jones, it would be dead. I, I'm looking to build onto what I have here because you know James Jones went on Burns and Gambo and said this team is special. Is the team as special with Kevin Durant in a different way? Yes, but right, chemistry means a lot. It's just so hard to view after last season. It's so hard to know what you have until the playoffs start. But guess what we talked about earlier in the show? Devin Booker is that guy now. He has arrived as the guy who can be the alpha on a championship contending team. You believe that? I believe that. I do believe that. I do believe that. I'm just saying if the if if the, if if it's if it's back on the table, it should at least be considered. Okay, that's fair enough. Uh, I say they should do it. There should be a discussion. Yep. Coming up next, uh, Kyler Murray definitely under the microscope, even by former teammates who now play in Minnesota. But we'll get into some of the things we've seen from Kyler Murray through 12 weeks this season. Next, it's Bickley and Murata mornings with Tim Ring in for Bick, live from the Octane Community Studios here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.